What's up and welcome back. It is episode number 26 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And Matt, so uh, we became experts a couple weeks ago uh, of the sport acrobatics and tumbling. We didn't know a ton about it going into the year, but of course, as you do 26 podcasts, you start to learn new things. And so you got the chance to go to the final acrobatics and tumbling meet of the season, the senior day (laughs) meet. Tell yeah, me what you saw. I promised our viewers that I'd go. Right. Like, I, I knew I was going. I had planned on going. It was right. a great day. And um, for the record, I'm disappointed I couldn't go. I had a different QAQ event that I had to right, be at, but right, otherwise right. I would have. But Matt right. was there. And I was there and I was like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. I'm going in with an open mind. I know the rules because of Paige and Emma. Right. Let's do this. And the pure strength of these women, it, I was floored. I was floored. And I got a chance to talk to some of the parents after the meet. Really, and they um, they were very uh, they kind of they kind of giggled at me because it was my first <laughs> one, but they were they were very understanding, and they were like, we know, like uh, uh, these girls are so strong, they have to hold literally human beings above their heads. Oh yeah, it's pure like upper body, and it's also a lot of legs, like for back base, like Paige's position, it's a lot of leg work, leg strength because you have to hold and make sure that you don't move your feet, but also catch a human being. Right, and it was. Electric, the the final event, like the one where the whole team's involved, electric, there was screaming, cheering, (laughs) and the entrance music that they had. It was it was just a lot, a lot of fun. And I'm so glad I went. That's that's awesome. And and I saw some of the the gifts of everything that was going on as the day was happening. And the the back base position is so interesting because not only are you lifting up an entire human being, but you're trying to do all of this in sync. So like you can't really get yourself set, like put your foot behind you to kind of support you. You just need to be there. And all of a sudden in a split second, you do one move and that person's in your hands. It's it, it's yeah. insane. And for some of these tumbling events, they had a counter. Yeah. That was off the mat, like on like towards uh, a press row a little bit okay and they would sit at the corner and count it out but i'm telling you if i am in a backflip how am i hearing your five six seven eight right it's so hard they are so skilled and they made me a fan i'm coming back for two more love that so uh we have acro and tumbling on our rundown we have a bunch of other sports as spring season continues to go through this is the week that was in quinnipiac athletics <laughs> Women's rugby took part in the Brown Sevens Sorensen Invitational this weekend. The Bobcats rolled through the first three games of the competition, beating AIC 41-7, Brown 7-5, and Westchester 39-0. They unfortunately came up short in the finals, losing to Army West Point 24-7. McKenna Haas, Allison Koenig, and Emily Roscoff all earned two tries on the day. Roscoff also dished out three assists and had three successful conversions in her final competition as a Bobcat. So that ends the brief spring schedule for the women's rugby team. We'll see them in season number two of the podcast when we get back in the fall. 
The field hockey team was busy this weekend as well as a part of their spring schedule. They visited UMass for a game on Saturday afternoon before hosting Yale on Sunday. Field hockey is back in action this Sunday when they host Colgate, Columbia, Fairfield, Maine, and Sacred Heart as a part of the Bobcat Field Hockey Spring Tournament. Akron Tumbling, we just talked about them. They finished their regular season on Saturday with their fourth win in a row. They beat Alderson Broadus 274.645 to 255.940 on senior day at the People's United Center. With the victory, the Bobcats went undefeated against ECAC competition for a third straight season since the ECAC began sponsoring the sport. Quinnipiac recorded two scores of 10, so a perfect 10, in Saturday's meet in they the go, toss heat. They go nuts for the 10s. Oh my it's God, fantastic. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so two scores of 10 in Saturday's meet in the toss heat of the compulsory event as well as the open toss later in the meet. The pair of 10s was a first for Quinnipiac this season. For her efforts, freshman Asia Johnson was named both the ECAC and NCATA Rookie of the Week this week. The Bobcats are ranked fourth in the most recent NCATA national rankings. The top eight teams get an automatic bid to the 2019 NCATA National Tournament hosted by Baylor at the end of April. Women's outdoor track now. The Bobcats competed in the Colonial Relays hosted by William and Mary over the weekend. Quinnipiac finished 31st out of 36 teams with six total team points. Highlights from this meet, Marla Weyer took third place in the 400-meter hurdles, and freshman Simone Foster took third place in the 100-meter hurdles. Now to the field highlights and the javelin throw. Senior Emily Drisgula placed second with a 36.54-meter toss. Track and field is back in action this coming Saturday. They head to Lawrenceville, New Jersey for the Ryder Invitational. Women's golf, uh, they took part in two separate competitions over the weekend. Part of the team stayed local and took part in the Sacred Heart Invitational in Milford, Connecticut. Casey Oppenheimer and Amanda Tully finished neck and neck with each other, with Oppenheimer tied for 15th and Tully at 18th. The other part of the squad traveled down to Poolsville, Maryland for the Hoya Invitational hosted by Georgetown. Continuing her dominant sophomore season, Queenie Lay, Open play at Georgetown's Hoya Women's Invitational with a 74, that's two over par, and followed it with a 73, one over par, to head into today's final round, tied for fourth place in the individual standings. The team itself is sixth, heading into the final round of competition. So the final round is the day that we're recording this. Make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com to see the results for that. Women's Golf is back in Connecticut for their final competition of the regular season as they head to the Hartford Invitational this coming Saturday and Sunday. Now the men's lacrosse team, they dropped its first MAC contest of the 2019 season on Saturday. They fell to Canisius by a final score of 10-7. to Freshman Will Abbott led the Bobcats on offense, scoring three times on eight shots. Quinnipiac scored five of the game's last six goals as a comeback attempt did fall short on the road. For his efforts, Will Abbott was named the MAC Rookie of the Week, the second for the midfielder this season. And the lacrosse team is home for the next two weekends as they kick off their brief homestand with a game against Marist Saturday at noon. This is also men's lacrosse Quinnipiac versus cancer game. So make sure to come out, support that cause, and make some noise. Absolutely. Uh, from the men's to the women's, women's lacrosse split their two games over the last week. They won a wild game last Wednesday at Iona by a score of 17-14. Goalkeeper Sammy Walters made 11 saves and earned her fifth victory of the season. Junior Megan Swazlowski and freshman Maddie Deegan combined for seven points, eight ground balls.
balls, six draw controls, and six caused turnovers in the win. Lax returned home on Saturday afternoon for senior day, but dropped a heartbreaker to Niagara by a score of 15-14. Allison Kuhn led the way with three goals. Julia Koris, Victoria Bavinsky, and Ashley Bavinsky all added two scores for Quinnipiac. Women's Lacrosse is home on the day this podcast drops for a game against Siena College at 3 p.m. Following that, they hit the road for the final time in the regular season on Saturday when they visit Manhattan College. And Dan, I'll be on the road again. I'll be uh, on the road with that team to Manhattan that Saturday. I'm very excited to hear about that. From the turf to the diamond now, baseball dropped two of their three games against Canisius over the weekend, but salvaged the final game of the series in extra innings. Now strap in, it was a fun one. They dropped their first game of the doubleheader by a score of 9-2. to two. They scored their two runs in the seventh inning on a Colton Bender RBI single, followed by an Anthony Cruz sack fly. They fell in the second game by a score of 3-1. to one. Andre Marrero drove in the lone run on a sacrifice fly. Now, faced with a sweep, the Bobcats did win the Sunday Thriller by a score of 10-9 to in 10 innings. The Bobcats' comeback started in the bottom of the eighth inning after trailing by three runs. Hosher brought home Dylan Lutz from the second base to pull within two runs. Evan Volgamore set the tone in the bottom of the ninth inning for the Bobcats as he blasted a leadoff home run to pull within one run before Lutz reached on a fielding error by Canisius that allowed a pitch runner, Derek Kasperzik, to tie the game 9-9. Colton Bender battled back from a 1-2 count before belting off a full count double down the left field line to score Kevin Husher in the bottom of the 10th inning. Baseball is currently playing at the University of Hartford as we're recording this podcast. Then they'll visit Boston College the day this podcast drops before heading to Philadelphia for a three-game series with LaSalle over the weekend. From baseball to softball, softball went 2-4 and four in six games over the last week. They started by sweeping Yale on the road last Wednesday. They won game one 9 to nothing. Freshman Brooklyn McGuire earned the win after pitching six innings with no runs allowed and notching two strikeouts. Rachel Marchuk was perfect in the first game, going 4-4 four for four with three runs. They took the second half of the twin bill, 8-3. Freshman Lauren King pitched seven innings to earn the win. Uh, she had five strikeouts in that game. Kayla Jensen went 3-3. Three for three. That was 6-7. for seven total on the day with one run scored and one RBI. They dropped a string of close games over the weekend in the MAC, losing to Monmouth on Saturday 3-0 and 4-3 and Fairfield on Sunday 9-3 and 4-1. Softball is back in action the day this podcast drops with a doubleheader at Sacred Heart. They return home for a doubleheader on Thursday against the University of Hartford before hosting Siena for a MAC doubleheader on Sunday. From the diamond to the court, the tennis court that is, men's tennis had a solid last week. They now sit 3-0 and in MAC play. They beat Wagner College on the road on Thursday. Alexa Martinovic and Helic Moore each both won a singles and doubles contest to help lead the way for the Bobcats. Junior Austin Yanone clinched a Quinnipiac win in three sets, topping Wagner's Dale Sandy 2-6, 6-2, 10-8. They returned home on Saturday and beat Siena by a score of 5-2 on senior day. Freddie Zaretsky, Halleck Moore, Patrick Cacapero, and Austin Yanon all earned both a singles and doubles win to lead the way for the Bobcats. Now the Bobcats are on the road at Marist the day this podcast drops. They return home to play Bryant on Saturday before closing the regular season with two MAC matches at Monmouth Sunday and versus Fairfield on Tuesday. And the final team on our rundown and the team we're focusing on for today's episode is the women's tennis team. Women's tennis is also 3-0 in the MAC after a successful weekend. They beat 
Siena at home on Saturday by a final of 6-1 to one on Senior Day. Dominique Vasili and Jennifer Liu each recorded a singles and doubles match win, leading the way for the Bobcats. With the win, the Bobcats picked up their 50th consecutive MAC victory, which is now the longest active conference streak in Division I tennis. So that is insane for the Bobcats women's tennis team. They responded with a 6-1 non-conference win over St. Francis on Sunday, also by a 6-1 margin. Dominique Vasili teamed with Proifan Lohapazin in number one doubles once again, improving to 8-5 and five as a duo this season. The Bobcats are home against Bryant this coming Thursday. They head on the road for MAC matches against Marist and Monmouth over the weekend before finishing the regular season at home against Fairfield next Wednesday. And today on the podcast, Matt, we're talking to two seniors on this women's tennis team, <laughs> Jennifer Liu and Proifan Lohapazin. And one of the things that you said to me before we started is that that in terms of dominance in league play, there is no better team on this campus here at Quinnipiac than the women's tennis team. <laughs> we walked in the studio today and I was like, oh, we're highlighting the most dominant team at the school? Yeah. We think of uh, women's basketball when we think of MAC dominance, but this tennis team is just as dominant. Since joining the MAC, they've never lost a conference match. It is unbelievable because when you are the best team, there is a target on your back each and every match you go into, and they have taken this pressure with stride and are rolling. Absolutely. So uh, we got a chance to talk to two of the seniors in this program. I asked both of them about, you know, they're both from California. So why come across the country for uh, playing tennis in Hamden, Connecticut? But we talked about that. We talked about what it means to win 50 games in a row in the MAC and the kind of pressure that that brings a little bit about gaining chemistry with single or with doubles partners but uh, either way it was a fantastic conversation and here's what they had to say and we're back here on episode number 26 of the Quinnipiac Athletics podcast and we're joined by two seniors on the Quinnipiac women's tennis team Jennifer Liu, Proifan Lohap-Hason. Ladies welcome how are you? Good. That that last name is going to give me trouble no matter how many times I hear it but um Anyways, uh, thank you both for taking the time. I know that this is a, this is a crazy time of year, but um, we wanted to have both of you guys on today because um, this women's tennis program has been arguably the most dominant program in Quinnipiac athletics over the last few years. So uh, there's there's a bunch of great stories to tell, but I, I kind of want to start with, with both of your individual stories of how you ended up at Quinnipiac. So for both of you, um, when, did you when did you start picking up tennis? Um, so I started around like age seven. I actually lived on the East Coast in um, Philadelphia for a few years and then we moved out to California and I was really good at, um, what is it, the badminton? badminton. Oh, okay. I was really good at badminton when I was... <laughs> like I do it right yeah, now. <laughs> I was really good at badminton when I was younger, so my mom thought I would maybe be good at tennis, so then I started like around se- second grade. Okay. Yeah. I started maybe nine or ten years old my sister did it in high school and then it kind of just became a family sport so okay. eventually it just grew into competition <laughs> okay um so i guess for, for both of you the next question is when did when did quinnipiac start to come into the picture for you and what made you want to come across the country to play tennis um, so I think I started to look at schools probably junior year of high school. That's the typical time you start looking at colleges, and I just really wanted a program that would be welcoming and just have a really good, like, family environment, like, just have a really close team and have a supportive um, 
sport coaches. And so I looked on the East Coast because I'd been wanting to come back here and just have a good four years and, like, get winter again for a little bit. (laughs) So um, I was contacted by Paula, and then I was out here visiting some other schools. And just, like, stepping onto the campus, it was just so beautiful. And then also being able to be a part of the nursing program was a huge thing because a lot of schools that I talked to were really hesitant about me being in the program or just would say no straight away. So being able to be in the nursing program and play Division One tennis was a good, great thing to do. Okay. Same thing with Jen. I started looking at schools around junior year of high school, but I was mainly looking at schools in California. I was not open to going out of state at all. Really? Um, I mean, some coaches from out of state would contact, but I would not be interested at all. And then uh, I think there was, like, one tournament. Yeah, I'm not sure I, when. I know, I know which one it was. And Jen and I were actually against each other in yeah. doubles. And one of the assistant coaches, Christine, she came to California. I was recruiting Jen at the time mm-hmm. and um, saw how I played and then ended up talking to my mom and her. And, yeah, and our, then Jen, our moms were talking and the then, time. Yeah, <laughs> while we were playing. Yeah. So they weren't really paying attention to the, to the match. <laughs> And then um, Jen's mom and Jen were telling us about Quinnipiac and how they had a good health science program out here, and they had a very good PA program out here. So Quinnipiac was the only out-of-state school that I applied to, and then I decided to come because they had a great PA program out here. And then the tennis team has been so well off for so many years, and Paula was just so nice and so friendly, and I loved Christine so much. I was like, oh, it worked out. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, you guys both mentioned athletics and, and or excuse me, academics, and, and that was one of the, the things that I noticed when I was, I was reading up a little bit, both, you know, health science related majors, both, both in the medical field. So, I mean, you know, how, how are you able to manage the, the daily training and practice and matches and then also having a major like this? Well, a lot of it is just time management, you know, like having your priorities, like um, junior year was my hardest year, so I didn't really have a lot of free time to like I guess like spend with friends or just like watching TV so but it's a lot of hard work but I know it's gonna be worth it in the end and I can't wait to like be a nurse so it's all worth it. (laughs) I think because we've both been playing tennis since we were young and we're used to the competitive schedule of oh we have to travel out go play tennis and then come back in on the following day and then come to study for high school and then study for SATs and ACTs and practice with the high school team and practice on your own I think we've gotten used to like having our schedule so packed and coming into college was like it would be something missing if our schedule wasn't as packed and then I feel like we kind of over challenge ourselves a little bit yeah (laughs) but um yeah, Jen's difficult year was junior year. Mine was sophomore year, so it was a little bit different than hers because hers, she had to go to more clinicals than I did, but I just had more classes than she did. And so <laughs> It's weird when I don't have a busy schedule, yeah. in all honesty. Like, I have free time, and I don't know what to do with myself, so I like being busy. <laughs> I agree with well, you. I mean, as, as long as you like it, then I guess it's, it's yeah. easy to kind of just fall back into that schedule. But um, so over the weekend... You guys picked up your 50th consecutive win in the MAC. Uh, it's now currently the longest active in-conference streak in Division One tennis. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations. That's incredible. Um, but, I mean, you know, what, what does that kind of mark mean for you guys? Does it put any added pressure on the team, or is it just kind of something that is? 
Um, I don't think it puts any added pressure because we go out there and treat every match as its own, you know. We don't really think about how many wins this is for our year, for, like, the whole history of us being in the MAC. But I think it's something that, like, we've learned from the upperclassmen in the past. Like, any day, like, someone can go out there and beat you, so we take everything seriously. And it's I'm really happy with, like, all that we've accomplished, like, in our four years here. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just Oh, no, yeah, of course. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. Anything you'd like to add for this week's episode <laughs> of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast? Courtney Cord- Nash. Courtney Nash speaking. Mm, I'm good, then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just wanted some peanut butter. Bye, guys. <laughs> interesting. She wanted only peanut butter. Wow, that interesting. Actually, I didn't she even does, notice. She does just eat the peanut butter. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait, where did she pull that from? Now I'm kind of from curious. Just snacks back there. From the box? Yeah. Our oh. snack bag. Oh wow, that is <laughs> fascinating. I didn't even I didn't even notice that when I walked in. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Anyways, um, yeah. So I'm so it doesn't add any any extra pressure for you. Yeah. Same thing with me. I don't yeah. feel any added pressure from that. I feel like I forget about it and yeah. then realize it afterwards. <laughs> once I read it on the article, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I feel like when incoming freshmen come in, though, it's like, oh, that added pressure. But then once you realize each match is just the same old match, if you lose, it's okay. That just means you had a bad day. Or someone else is going to make up for it because it's a team sport. And as long as you're together, it will work out at the end. Um, you mentioned learning from upperclassmen. So who are who you able to learn from the first couple years in the program? Um, I mean, just the upperclassmen in general. Before matches, they would just kind of give us a little talk before, you know, like this This is like any other match, you know. We've done this before in the past. Like, we've been practicing hard, working hard. Like, just go out there and show your abilities, you know. Be confident. And, you know, we're all smart. Like, we can all figure out pe- opponents' weaknesses, like what's going right for us today and adjust, you know. Of course. Yeah. Um, for me, I thought Rachel and Cindy were my favorite of, like, in, like putting me out there. Because I feel like Rachel's hard work ethic kind of, like, put, I don't know how to say it, put, like, influenced me yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, and yeah. then Sydney's just, like, very loud on court. I've <laughs> never experienced that in my, like, entire <laughs> tennis career. I've always been quiet. And it's, like, kind of different atmosphere in the sense that you have to cheer everyone and everyone on the team. It's not just about you. So, it's, like... A good transition having Sydney there and teaching me along the way of like what it's supposed to be like to be on a team. So it's it's interesting that you that you mentioned somebody being loud on the on the court. So I, I guess that kind of that that makes me want to ask the both of you in terms of leadership style. Being seniors, how do you conduct yourself on the court? Or are either of you louder, or is it more just business as usual? How do you how do you kind of lead the team? Um, I try to cheer for everyone when I get a chance to, just to like see how every like cheer them on and see how they're doing like check scores every once in a while but like like I think over the years it's been easier to do that while also being focused in your own match which is something I know like my freshman year it's hard you don't cheer as much for other people because you're so used to being on your own and playing one match like up until now and but a little bit in high school but high school it's not cheering it's not as intense as yes well. yeah. so. it's a great yeah. it takes practice to cheer while you're yeah. playing because you kind of forget 
<laughs> what what you're playing, what the score is. Yeah. Going on. I feel like encore. I feel like I need a constant reminder to myself. But encore, I feel like I go aggressive when I'm cheering. Yeah. So sometimes I need to remember to tone it down. Sometimes, but yeah. other than that, yeah. But just trying to stay positive on the court, you know, like because every point does count. But then you move you move on. There's nothing you can do once you once the point's done. Oh, of course, so. yeah. Yeah, Jenna is great on court with <laughs> cheering and like motivating herself. Like I give her props on that. Like I don't know how she does it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that that's fun. It's funny you say that too. That just the you must really need to have a, a short term memory when you're when you're playing in a match. Just oh, yeah. I lost that point, but the next one is yeah. the is now the most important thing that's going on. Yeah, I just can't dwell on what's already done with you know. Right. But um, so so for for both of you, um. Playing doubles, this is kind of more of a, I guess, more of a process question that I'm curious about. You know, when you're building chemistry with with your your doubles partner, is there, has there been some, or has there been someone this year where like you know that it's that person, or do you know right off the bat like this is a good, this is a person that I work well with, or is it kind of something you have to build? Um, I think it's definitely something you have to build because I think our team is full of really great doubles players, and we all have different styles. But yeah, like some people will mesh better together, but it's still putting in that hard work and finding the tactics and going through the same routines and like knowing like where, what they're going to do to some extent. But um, it takes a lot of practice, even just yeah. to be find chemistry with someone like you have chemistry, but then you want to build on that and make it more consistent in matches. Now, typically, you'll uh, at least from, from looking at the box scores, you'll play with either Peyton Bradley or Layla Rodriguez, mm-hmm. right, in doubles. Yeah. Um, so I guess talk to me a little bit about them. How do their, how do their styles differ when you're playing doubles with them? Um, so last year, actually, I played with Layla yeah. towards then. So it's been nice playing with her again recently just because we've been changing up and trying to figure out our doubles teams. But she's she hits a very flat, low ball, so that really throws people off. Like especially, I feel like in women's tennis, more people don't hit as flat because you do want to hit more spin typically. But she does a really great job of it, so it just sets me up really well. And I am I feel confident at the net when she's hitting because I know she's not gonna hit. Even if she does hit a shorter ball, it's still gonna be really low and difficult for people to attack on so then they'll have to lift the ball up so then I can go for my volleys and go for my poaches but with both of them like and Peyton too I just feel confident like in their ability so I'm not afraid at the net to go for balls and then hopefully it's the same way with them you know when I'm hitting I want to like have their back so then they can go for they can hit the winners they can hit the volleys and close out the point Okay, and so for you, for you uh, at yeah. least, it it seems typically it's uh it's Dominique that you're playing with for doubles. Yeah. So I guess the the same question about her. What is her playing style like, and how does it complement yours? Dom is very consistent. Well, I'm totally not, and I I feel like I have to put all my trust in her, and I rely on her so much on court. And I feel so bad because I make so many mistakes on court, and I feel like Dom just knows my tendencies on court, where like what I'm most comfortable and what. I'm not comfortable with and I know what's Dom's tendencies where she's comfortable and what she's not comfortable and I feel like we both work well together in the sense like oh if we are having a bad day we know like okay let's not focus on that and do something else instead okay um do you both prefer doubles over singles or 
Yeah. Now I do. Yeah, now definitely you do? recently. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I do enjoy playing singles because it's you out there, like, one-on-one against your opponent. And I like, like, kind of figuring out my strategy and, like, using my head a little bit more, like, critical thinking, I guess. But definitely doubles is way more enjoyable because you have someone out there with you. Yeah. Someone to, like, help you out if you're having a bad day and someone to, like, sh- like talk about things with and just have a good time, too, on the court. Of course. Yeah. yeah I mean, having a good time is always <laughs> important, yeah. Yeah. I think it, before coming into college, I used to hate doubles because I was terrible at doubles and I felt like I was laying my partner down. And then, so, singles was a lot more fun for me. And then, once I got into doubles in college, I realized, like, how much I liked it. And then, also still had that feeling of, I feel like I'm letting my partner down. But then, as, like, I grew as a person and, like, as I grew better as a tennis player for doubles, I feel like I prefer doubles now. Because I feel like there's less stress on me mentally than on singles matches. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple weeks ago, actually in this exact same room, uh, I talked to uh, Chris Pappas from the men's team, and one of the things that we talked about was the non-conference schedule that his team had. And you guys kind of had a, a similar break in the non-conference schedule in the sense that you played some pretty good teams before getting into the max schedule. So, I mean, you know, how do those games and those road trips help you get ready for the, the league season? I think playing better players makes you, like, see what they're doing right and see how they're beating you and then wanting to translate that into your own game a little bit more. Like, it is tough losing, like, close matches or even matches that aren't close, but seeing players that are better than us and seeing, like, how they play gives us some ideas to, like... It gives us a different perspective because... Coming to Max, like, some people think, like, oh, we have this, like, entitlement, like, we're thinking we're better than everyone else, but no, we come in thinking, like, we're all the same person, we all think of tennis, we all just do our best on court, and then we play against someone stronger than us, and we're like, see, we're not entitled to that position, we could get beaten whenever, but really, we just want to put that same work ethic as all those stronger teams and see what they are doing right and that's why they're beating us and see what we can improve on and see how we could pick up their skills and implement it in our game. Yeah, I think the tough losses make us want to improve our game more too so then we can be more competitive um, even like like the next season or whatever for opponents that are stronger than us. Have you seen uh, Have you seen the improvements from day one of the season until now? Yeah, yeah. I think I yeah, and everyone I definitely have seen a lot of improvements. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Then it, then it's I guess it's working. I mean, yeah. I mean for both of you guys, you know, taking that trip out to California, that the the week long trip out to California, how was that experience for both of you? Loved it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really I just, nice guy. yeah, in the middle of the the dead of the <laughs> early late winter, early spring, it was uh, I'm yeah. sure it was a refreshing. But yeah, how, how was it for both of you? It was just really nice going home for both of us for our senior year and, like, to get to have our family come out and watch our matches. But I think everyone was just really happy on that trip, even though we had tough matches and everything and, like, long days of traveling and driving, just being um, all together at, like, the house at the end of the day and, like, eating dinner and just hanging out was really nice. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I just love that we were in California. (laughs) Yeah. For me, spring semester is worse for me because coming in from – California is like all outdoor tennis and coming in is indoor and then yeah. transitioning to winter and then everything's different out here. So it's like, 
well, I think I go get back home, get rejuvenated. <laughs> so it was nice going back to California just to get that sunshine again, just being outside and gaining that confidence back. And it was nice for the entire team because we've been in the cold for so long. It's a nice mental break a little bit from the cold. Yeah. And then just playing outside again, just getting that touch and feel back and being together all in one house again. It's nice. Yeah. So uh, lastly, I mean, you know, this is this is kind of a layup question, but what is the goal of the 2018-19 women's tennis team? What's the what's the end goal? Where do you want to see yourself at the end of the season? I think in the beginning, our goal was to just get that first round of NCAAs. Like, we want to win that first round of NCAAs. I don't know. I still yeah, think that's the goal I for the entire team. The yeah. So, because we've been dominant through the MAC, and we've been, our goal has either been trying to win more non-conference matches or to win the first round at NCAAs. And I think that is still on our minds. Yeah. I feel like we set a higher goal for ourselves this this year. Just even with the, with the tough conference, I think that kind of matched up with our higher goal of, like, getting past the first round of the NCAA. So I think that's the goal. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not a bad, not a bad goal to have. Yeah. Um, so we always ask three questions at the end of our uh, interviews. These are the real thinkers, the personal questions. <laughs> they, they, because I know you guys can talk tennis all day. But um, so the first one, and, and whoever wants to start can. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world that was not Hamden, Connecticut, where would it be, and why? Because of course that would be the number one pick. Um, Anywhere in the world, definitely somewhere tropical. Okay. Tropical and warm. Like, I mean, in the United States, I really want to live in San Diego for a little bit. Really? Maybe go to graduate school there. Like, I've been, I traveled there a lot for tournaments and stuff, but never really got to do anything super fun there and, like, explore. So, definitely San Diego, California. But other than that, like, I'd love to maybe, like, live in Australia for a little bit or anything. Yeah. Um, in the U.S., I would probably want to do either Hawaii or like the O.C. area in California. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want Hawaii in the aspect that if I start working, I like having a small community of people and getting to know the person and being able to be that reliant healthcare professional for them to come to. Okay. And then the OC area because there's just so many food options. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna yeah. be close to, to all the different types of yeah. food. Yeah. There's so much yeah. good food. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Hawaii for being the I I I can't say that I've had a professional reason for, for going somewhere before, but I that, that works. Um okay, second question. Uh, if you could have dinner with one person either alive or deceased, who would it be and why? Um, well, lately I've been listening to a podcast by Jay Shetty. I don't know if you know. Um, his podcast is called, um, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. And I really like just his whole thought process because he was a monk for, I think, about three years. And he interviews, like, um, professional athletes. He, like, interviewed Novak Djokovic and Giselle Boonchum, the wife of Tom Brady, so, like, I really would like to talk to him currently right now. Yeah. Just about, like, I guess life and... What does he, what does he interview him about? That's actually, um, that's very fascinating. So, the last one he interviewed Giselle just about her new book that she came out with. And just about how she goes about her life. Like, she just incorporated, like, meditation into her life. And, like, what inspires her to... 
um, do certain things in life, like obviously her family, and then she's involved in a lot of nonprofit organizations and campaigns just to improve like the well the well being of everyone. And like with nursing, that's something I really want to do is to like improve the well being of everyone, like especially the underserved communities that we have um, right. in the U.S. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, that would be a heck of a conversation. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes um, I think about. I know. Answer. I remember thinking of this question because back in high school, thinking like, "Oh, someone's gonna ask me this question one day," <laughs> and I always like, I always like, <laughs> I, I had to, I had to be that yeah. guy. Yeah. I know someone like I'm currently really interested <laughs> in. You know, like mm-hmm. overall, I think I wouldn't be able to pick anyone. Yeah, yeah. I feel like overall I couldn't pick, but uh, I know. Probably Emma Watson. What has always been one of my top like con- answer choices for this question, but <laughs> it's because um, in high school I I was like looking up Emma Watson and she had the He for She campaign and I was really into that for uh, a while and she was really promoting on equal rights and treatments with men and females and um, I just wanted that treatment to be spread abroad for everyone and i really liked her statement and campaign for the he for she campaign campaign okay that's that's powerful i mean yeah that (laughs) yeah yeah, no of course um okay and the last one uh you are on death row what is your final meal your dinner your drink and your dessert Oh my gosh. Can be something question. local from home. I mean, you said a lot of food food options in the OC, that's so it could so be something hard. from there. It's giving me too many hard questions. <laughs> I told you um, these are the these are the thinkers. You know, the the tennis ones. We can have a conversation about that all day, but like food. I know. I feel like mine has to be like a burger, like and then drink lemonade. That's like my. It's a good pick. Other yeah. than like ginger ale for soda, but I like lemonade yeah. a lot and dessert, like cookies and cream ice cream with like a brownie. Yeah, cookies and cream is my all time favorite. So. Yeah. Can't go wrong with yeah. any of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know my drink. It'll be milk tea with boba. I just love that. Um, <laughs> dessert. So we get a cheesecake from there. Huge cheesecake guy. That's, that's a good it. pick. Like, yeah. You do a big chunk of a, oh, a slice of it. it man. Like, now, are you just getting the traditional one? Because I know like. Traditional. Okay, one. good. Because the Cheesecake Factory, they have no, like the Oreo. and the, yeah, There's just too, too many. Fancy. I like yeah. the traditional one. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, good, good, good. The entree. That's so hard. Would it be something Asian? Yeah, it would be something Asian. I, I, don't, I was thinking Asian. Yeah. It would either be like Japanese ramen or um, like a Thai dish. Like a mm. like pad thai? No, like a, gla- like a spicy glass noodle mm. dish. What about the restaurant we went to in California? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I would definitely need hot sriracha with my meal too. Oh, yeah. Well, um, something tells me this will be an ongoing conversation, (laughs) but anyways, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you got to go to practice, but uh, best of luck finishing up the max schedule and going into the NCAA tournament. Thank you. you.
Thanks so much to Jennifer Liu and Proifan Lohap-Hazen for joining us here on episode number 26 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Get everything you need from Bobcats Nation right there on QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Make sure you follow all of the social media accounts. It is at QU Athletics on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the tennis team at QU underscore W-T-E-N. So W-10, if you will, on Twitter. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Matt McAuliffe, uh, first, where can we find you on social media? At M McAuliffe 7, but I also have a message for uh, the listeners. Of course. spring sports season and the warm weather is coming. So make sure to go out to all these events, whether it's softball, baseball. We have a brand new turf for lacrosse teams, so make sure to come out and enjoy the weather. That's right. We got a a bunch of teams that are cooking right now in Mac play, so there's no better time to come out to Hamden, Connecticut to see these teams play than right now. And of course, I'm at Dan Ball, B-A-H-L. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. (laughs) 